All right, back into it with our panel. David Wills, Peter Sherman, John Capobianco. As we watch the weather, I mean, more rain coming here intermittently, but uh, this weather watch is almost past. They were saying it would be early evening by the time we got out of the soup, and uh, things are kind of looking good, uh, although let's not take too much for granted. I wanted to get on to uh, this story very quickly because I'm kind of curious as to your opinion. Uh, just to divert from where I wanted to go, there was an op-ed piece in the Post today, Terry Glavin writing about, you know, Toronto Strong and how this individual, Faisal uh, Hussein, uh, had some problems, or that's one of the narratives that has been put forward. And so uh, he writes, evidence may yet emerge to the effect that perhaps some very recent stage in the psychosis that tormented him, Faisal Hussein, had been twisted beyond recognition by imbibing the online vileness of some bloodthirsty Islamist hate preacher. But all that is or should be immaterial to what's required right now of the people of Toronto. Toronto strong, as the city likes to describe itself in the teeth of these tragic events. If the people cannot find it within themselves to discharge the same duty of solidarity and compassion in respect of Hussein's parents, to enclose them as warmly within the, the embrace of their empathy as the families of Reese Fallon and little Juliana Cozies, then they should be ashamed of themselves. In other words, uh, have sympathy for the family. They had to endure their victims as much as anybody else, and therefore Toronto Strong means embracing them too. Wow, uh, it's kind of provocative and controversial. Seems kind of <laughs> soon to me with the emotions running as raw as they are. But Peter Sherman, I'll ask you, does the guy have a case here or no? I think on some level, I, I understand what he's trying to say. But um, I I'm going to just put it right on the table. I'm guilty. I can't find it in my heart to say I, I would want to reach out to the family at this point. They're the people who brought this guy up and another brother who, who was also brought up. There's there's all kinds of backstories. The kid is in a coma, the brother is, um, because of uh, activity in gangs. That's what I've heard on the news media. I can't substantiate any, any I hear drug I know, overdose, drug overdose uh, from so cocaine and heroin, right. And and apparently the gun came from the brother, so he, right. he was into some stuff that he shouldn't have been in. They lost a daughter in a car accident. We can feel sorry about that. But other than that, I don't know much about the family. The suggestion also in this editorial that uh, I might feel that way or other people might feel that way because they have a Muslim name is nonsensical. I, I would feel bad for anybody who deserves it. Right now, I'm feeling bad for the families of two girls who went out to eat dinner. Understood. Uh, John Capobianco, you're nodding. You agree? I, well, I do. And I think that at this stage, I think the last um, um, sort of sympathy that, that folks will have is towards the parents of the, of the shooter. I think that, uh, to Peter's point, uh, sympathies will go to the families of the two uh, victims that were uh, shot, one eating ice cream, the other one sort of enjoying uh, an event on a Sunday on, at, a, at a well uh, well um, um entertained the street so i think i think there there may be some that will have sympathy for the parents i think some will 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 analyze this to death as far as you know were they good parents were they, were they aware were they were they implicit or complicit in, in some of this situation i think that's for others to decide but right now i think toronto's strong and and the fact that we're resilient the fact that four months earlier we went through a van attack and now this um, you know, is the world changing? Is Toronto changing? That's the debate that people are having, hence the discussions about gun laws and all that kind of stuff, John. But I think at the end of the day, uh, let's be strong with the parents of the victims and, and those who uh, who suffered wounds and, and injuries that day and uh, and the parents and, and those issues, I'm sure, will go through their own grieving. Dave? Well, I, I think it was a very brave piece to write because I think it, it, you said it's very provocative. It makes us all think. I think, you know, if we can't 
stretch ourselves to have sympathy for the parents, we should at least have empathy because they are going through hell as well because they're thinking about all those same things. They are thinking about the families of those two victims. They are thinking about the families of all those people who got shot and don't think that they're not. So I, you know, I think where we, you know, if it's too big of a bridge to cross to, to sympathize and, and reach out and give them a hug, I think you can respect their privacy and also respect the fact that they are also going through hell. Well, all right. Well, that's an assumption. I guess it's a safe one uh, or should be anyway, but nobody knows. I mean, I don't know these people. I've never seen them interviewed, never heard a peep from them. The letter that came out was obviously uh, done in their stead by uh, someone else who was not a family member, but we'll leave that for now. I wanted to move on. There's another topic worthy of discussion here with a recent ruling from the Human Rights Tribunal in Ontario. It's a precedent-setting decision uh, that saw a graduate from McGill's engineering uh, faculty uh, being hired by Imperial Oil in Sarnia back in 2014. But the company rescinded the offer when they learned that the guy did not have permanent status in Canada. He was not a resident, a permanent resident, nor a citizen. And uh, although he was eligible for a three-year postgraduate work permit to stay in the country. So the Human Rights Tribunal said, well, as long as he was eligible to work, it's against the law to deprive him of that employment. The fact that he also fudged his application by not telling Imperial Oil that he wasn't a permanent resident or a citizen uh, didn't seem to matter to the tribunal. Matter of fact, the lawyer for the individual said, well, it was just a ruse so he could get past the screening process. So uh, this is kind of interesting to me because it appears in these kinds of employment situations that uh, citizenship or permanent residency ain't going to count for anything. It doesn't matter. And uh, that he lied on his application may be uh, one of those points where you would say automatically disqualifies him from employment. Starting with those two, David Wills, your thoughts? Well, I, I thought this was an interesting story. And, you know, I think we do have to leave the legal analysis to the legal experts but you know their their uh, assertion that he didn't that he misrepresented himself uh, they articulated but they also uh, you know he then countered with i couldn't get past the screening to get the work uh, uh, project that i need in order to apply for permanent residence so it's like how do you get experience you know remember those old army commercials right. or whatever they were it's a, that same sort of treadmill but then imperial oil stepped in it themselves saying, you know, we would, you know, this is an absolute requirement. They say, well, but you hired other people under the same circumstance. They're like, well, that was a little bit different too. So they spun it a little bit their way. He spun it his way. And I think what this ruling is going to do is sort of make, force it to be cleaned up so that it has to be open at the top that you can't deny for this. But you can, you know, you have to, you have to make your decisions on something else. All right, and, and now, Peter, I didn't mean to spring this on you. I know it was un, uh, unannounced. Or I've you've, read it. I've okay, read so it. you're familiar with it. Do you think the tribunal got it right? First of all, nope. I think the tribunal got it wrong. There's so much wrong with the story, John. It's unbelievable. Uh, the first thing that's wrong is it never should have made it to the Human Rights Tribunal of Ontario because that really is, uh, amongst many other things, one of the things that the Human Rights Tribunal has no business being involved in, number one. It's about employment and citizenship law. It's not about human rights. Number two, um, I think it's legitimate for a company to say, what's your citizenship? This is not a charter thing. There's nothing in the charter about asking your citizenship for employment. There are things about asking your gender preference, and there are things about uh, your religion that can't be asked. But why shouldn't I be able to ask you if you're a Canadian citizen or a permanent resident? Uh, it, it, what it suggests is you could come from uh, Russia or you could come from uh, Croatia or wherever and have absolutely no right to work whatsoever, but I can't ask you and find that out. That's so what the judge can, said, by the way. The judge says that that was a violating immigration law. 
Yeah. So, I mean, there's that. Uh, and then there's the whole issue of uh, vetting this thing. So, uh, and, and I talked earlier in the day to um, an immigration lawyer, and um, he, he's of the opinion that uh, this is going to wind up in court because the courts have to pronounce on this. This is not about human rights. And, uh, you know, I, I remember when the Human Rights uh, Tribunal or its predecessor was created. It was created to make sure that uh, if you showed up at the door uh, for an apartment rental, you'd made an appointment to see, and they opened the door and saw you had black skin and said it was rented, that's when you went to the Human Rights Tribunal. Right. Or if they kicked you out of a restaurant, that's when you went. Not over this. This, this is nonsense. It's it's a non-story, and it shouldn't have happened. Well, but the actual uh, part of the story that is the non-story is that the Human Rights Tribunal does actively get engaged in this. It's like activist uh, rulings that come down from somebody that's not elected. Uh, overreach, John? Well, I think it is, and I think that this would have been a bigger story had this been a government agency that we were talking about or some sort of a government body that that uh, that is uh, that is controlled by government. I think you'd see this as a far more of a, of a pronounced issue uh, with respect to human rights, but we're, we're talking about, and the reason why it's not that big of a story, I think, John, is because we're talking about a private organization, Imperial Oil, and they've got their own codes and their own ethics and their own issues and to, do, to deal with, and I think people And their own lawyers. That. And their own lawyers, which they've obviously uh, they've used in, in, in some of the stories but you know they, they go on to say that it's not our practice to hire individuals who lie or deliberately provide misleading or erroneous information which they say the applicant conceded he did during the pre-employment uh, interview so right. so i think it, it certainly it's up to them to make the decision well if this this person's prepared to lie to us at this stage then how can we ever trust him when he's inside our organization which has shareholders and stakeholders and a whole bunch sure. of people that are responsible for so i think the fact that it is a private organization, and and to John, uh, to Peter's point, I, I don't think this ever should have gone to the tribunal. All right, well, yeah, and it's the company's prerogative, but now the Human Rights Tribunal is telling them how they have to act. By the way, Gary writes, I'm a retired engineer. Clearances were required in the industries that I was employed in. Energy companies need to maintain security standards. Are these standards now being set by the Human Rights Tribunal? We'll leave it at that. More topics worthy of discussion in a moment. David Wells, Peter Sherman, John Capobianco, Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.